to be able to give over the, that power, uh, and it's not just the, 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 the influential power, but the positional power as well. Uh, you know, I know as well as the next person, maybe I shouldn't assume that, but you know, positional power is the, the, the least effective form of power, but this influential power, the power that people give you, to give that over to others and to mm. share that, oh, that couldn't have happened without the, you know, the cumulative effect of learning about myself, having a really good professional supervisor, having a, having a terrific uh, spiritual director and actually giving, giving myself over into those, those processes mm. has just been so life-giving. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. Helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Huntley. I keep saying I'm your host, Ron Huntley, and I'm sure you're saying no kidding, but I know at some point we're gonna have Christian on here hosting and Lorraine on here hosting and maybe others as well. And so today I am your host. Maybe it'd be interesting for me to find out how you came across this podcast and maybe why you're listening in. You know, it's our understanding that sometimes when we start coaching a diocese or a parish, people check us out. Who is Huntley Leadership? What are they doing here why <laughs> maybe that's how you got here but send us a note go to huntleyleadership.com and connect with us and send us a note let us know how you connected with the podcast it'd just be really fun information for us as the team kind of continues to uh understand who's uh tuning in and, and why and so it's just so great to have you with us i'm excited i met father josh whitehead who's our guest today a number of years ago when i was staying with uh archbishop mark coleridge in brisbane and uh, Father Josh was staying there as well. And I just found his joy so contagious. He was on his way to becoming a priest. And now he is a priest. He's been a priest for a while. And he's our guest today. Father Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, Rob. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, it's interesting to, like, how long have you been serving in your ministry right now? Sure. Well, actually, today is my fourth anniversary of arriving in this parish. So that means okay. four years. Two and a half months, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, time flies. That is crazy cool. What's your, let me ask you, what's your big hope? What's your big dream for your vocation and impact as a Roman Catholic priest? Mm, Ron, well, I hope, I hope there's as least of me in this as possible, but I want everyone to have what I've experienced. I want everyone to experience the, the sense of encounter, which I've been so blessed to, to regularly experience. It's, mm. it's something that's really difficult to describe, particularly to other people who might not have had that, that, that grace or that blessing of that experience. Mm. When, when was that, when did you, when could you first articulate or become aware that you had that encounter? Would you share that with us? Yeah, sure. I was in the middle of a, a run. I was, I was doing what I, I guess I do best is combine prayer and exercise. I love that. <laughs> But I was on this run and um, I, was, I was running towards this 15-year-old um, Asian boy at the, the, the turnaround point of this run. He was fishing out into the sea on this big rocky wall and I could tell he'd caught a fish. And uh, the closer I got to him, I could tell he, 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 he caught one. He wanted to ask for help 
But as I got even closer, I tell you, I could tell he wasn't going to ask me for help. So, God's grace, I said, "Do you want a hand?" And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "Can you help me land this fish?" And like it was about that big. I'm not lying. <laughs> it's not a fishing story. It's a really. Good... <laughs> I climbed down this rocky wall, about three meters down this rocky wall, and grabbed the fish by its gills and gave it to him. And as I turned to run home. I realized I'd fulfilled the penance that the priest had given me in reconciliation the previous week that, you know, I'd, I'd walked out of the confessional. I completely forgot about it. And <laughs> all of a sudden, this wave of joy just washed over me. And it was, you know, I sort of lost consciousness of time as I was just rejoiced in the Lord and realized I'd fulfilled my, fulfilled my penance. And, uh, there was this sense of what was given, this gift, and it was the gift of joy. Now, that was, that was backed up. I'd just started discerning priesthood back in 2011, and mm. I was at a point in my spiritual journey where I was actually trying to pray. I was putting some effort into praying, and at that point, I was, that looked for me like kneeling in front of my bed at night, and I'd grab my Bible, I'd close my eyes, and I'd flick to a random page and put my finger on a verse and say, God, what do you want to tell me? <laughs> yeah. And this is on the same day as that fishing story, and it landed on Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me, and I'll teach you to fish for people. Wow. That same sense of joy just washed over. It was all, all, all confirmed. This stuff is real. God is real. You can experience God. Wow. And so what I'm hearing in that story, Father Josh, is you're, you're already a practicing Catholic, like you're a faithful practicing Catholic. If you're not faithful and practicing, you certainly don't go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Like what a wonderful sacrament to rediscover, but that, that, that in and of itself denotes commitment. But I think it's kind of cool too, because you're saying I was already discerning the priesthood and yet I hadn't had that type of experience before. And that's no. not uncommon, is it? Like sometimes people feel called to the priesthood for reasons they can't, well, maybe they can articulate, maybe they can't, but not everybody, even if they're a clergy has had that experience is that fair yeah sure i grew up practicing catholic but wasn't didn't have any sense of what it meant to be in a personal relationship with jesus and i, mm. I left home and i'm a kiwi i'm from new zealand and uh i joined the new zealand army and uh, that was my ticket to freedom because i didn't have to go to mass anymore and i guess i had to experience that in order to choose that and I know that's not everyone's experience, but really back in 2011 with this first experience of encounter, it was what I needed to really confirm not just my vocation, but that I, mm. there's actually something more in this than faithfully uh, celebrating the sacraments, faithfully you know, saying my prayers, and uh, there's so much more than what I do. Mm. And you said, and I think it's so cool, you want for at the beginning when I asked the question, I want everybody to experience what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's such an, an important principle for parish renewal. Because if you're not 
if you haven't encountered Christ, if you've not experienced that overwhelming joy of knowing he's real and you matter and i know who you are josh and i love you thanks for catching that fish with that guy i'm right here with you remember the scripture i gave you today it's like god you're overwhelming me like this is crazy if you haven't experienced that it's really hard to bring about parish renewal because you're going to lack joy and passion and and so you'll probably be looking for behaviors, but it's not, ultimately, it's not behavior. Behaviors are secondary, aren't they? To a, a heart filled with love. And what I'm hearing you say is that your joy was restored as God overwhelmed you in that moment with his love. Well, it was more that, yeah, there was a sense of joy restored, but joy I didn't even know was possible. And it mm. was perhaps the joy which was needed to actually cause the desire to, you know, for others to experience this. Ron, I can remember a time uh, in my first year in the seminary and we had a lay formator, uh, Shane Bennett. He mm -hmm. was teaching us about mission and faith formation and he was taking us through the different missional documents, the great missional documents of, mm -hmm. of our faith, uh, particularly Evangelii Nunciandi and Redemptoris Missio. Uh, at that time in 2013, uh, Evangelii Gaudium had only just come out. Yes. But I can remember him sharing with us this, this reality of the Holy Spirit as the, the primary instigator of mission and evangelization. And I can remember in that, that class, I remember thinking, I don't care about this stuff. I just want to get the tick in the box and move on to the next unit. Uh, uh, that, was as a, that was as a seminarian. You know? <laughs> so between then, 2013, even having experienced that sense of encounter a couple of years before then, between then and now, something's happened. Mm. And, and what I've received is... Uh, consistent experiences of encounter that, that they've, they've caused a building up of um, mm. this sense of joy, sense of knowledge, what's given to the point where I can't not, I can't not have the desire. And, you know, that might sound idealistic, but it's, it's, it's my personal lived experience. Mm. And, and, and I know now, and this, this, this knowledge of really began when you and I first sat down together across the breakfast bar two mornings in a row a few years ago, but I know that God's given me a, a really specific set of gifts that are unique to me that are for the purpose of the mission. That's so cool. And so it's so, even as you talk like that, like that's, that's where I hope, that's where I try to help people get to who I coach. You know, like, who are you? Like, who are you? <laughs> how, has God, how has God made you? And it doesn't just matter a little bit. It matters a ton because that's how you're going to build your church. The best church you can build is going to be around how you're hardwired as a leader. And it doesn't mean it's about you. It's not narcissistic. It's just like, no, actually, you're God's A plan for that parish. But if you don't know who you are and what you bring to the table, both good and, and struggles, then it's going to be hard to build a, a team around you that's going to complement you. And 
and you're probably not going to be able to speak from passion. You're going to speak from, at best, knowledge. That's it's like you know me, Rob. <laughs> Rob, sorry. No, that's okay. And you you really speak into my journey, and uh, my, my journey as a leader has really been framed around. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, responding to God's grace and hey, do this, mm. do that, and that free decision to say yes. But that, mm. that started with reading Divine Renovation, and that went into. Um, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Patrick Lencioni, Crucial Conversations, uh, Forming Intentional Disciples. I've been listening to you and Sherry Waddell over the last few weeks. That's just been amazing. Oh. And, and But even other non, non-Catholic writers yes. like uh, Craig Groeschel, uh, Simon Sinek, mm. people like that. And, and what I've received from investing in, in my leadership uh, I've received much, much, so much more than it's cost. Hmm. Man, it's so cool. Because leaders, leaders learn, leaders grow, leaders I mean, commit. I'm, I'm a, I'm a product of this. I guess this new time where we've got these amazing authors and people are being encouraged to invest mm-hmm. in in their leadership capacity. I'm an absolute product of that. You know, I've been ordained mm. for four minutes, and what what I'm experiencing is is something which you know wouldn't be possible without that investment. Um, mm. I remember when we when we sat down for the first time, and I, I learnt about the uh, you know the Strengths Finder, um, Clifton Strength Finder. Yes, and- refresh my, refresh that encounter for me. I remember meeting you. I remember how much I enjoyed being with you. And uh, but what do you remember? So we did Strength Finders, obviously. But as you're sharing that, tell me more. Well, I was this. I was this. Uh, you know, jumped up and brand new deacon. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm living with the arch in the archbishop's house. Uh, I get to preach on the biggest stage in the diocese and. Probably was a little bit of head of where I should have been, but I had this sitting sitting with you, and I've experienced this this with other people since. Um, this mm. is a sense of joy and energy, talking about the mission and sharing where we're at and where God's calling us to be. And I'd never really experienced that with another Catholic before. Uh, my experience of Catholicism is probably a little bit muted, and you know, from where I come from and growing up and. All of sure. a sudden, it's like, wow, this is amazing that there's someone else <laughs> who's experienced this. And I, and I, I ran away. I did, I did the did the strengths finder test, and I come back, and we had a chat about that. But that really opened up some doors of knowing myself. Uh, oh, you know, that was already know. happening with with reading some of those books I mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, the, the sense of the capacity to know myself, which is an ever-changing journey there. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. It's some pretty massive stuff at the moment, but that's, uh, you know, knowing the strengths that I've been given, learning about those mm-hmm. rather than then being able to notice them as I operate them, that makes my, my ministry sustainable, particularly, particularly with uh, leading massive transformation in a parish context. Yeah. 
Because massive transformation is required in most parishes. Most parishes are aging up and and looking inward and, and just a byproduct of how they've been led and the, the shifts in culture and 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 the losses that we've experienced. I mean, it's been it's been painful, but it's also a really exciting time for a leader because there's nothing better and more gratifying than doing something really hard and it coming to life like that's the the ultimate fight i mean it's like your fitness and your exercise like nothing better than a great workout where you've just you know know you've spent yourself making yourself better and and or completing a race or or what have you it just feels great we're, we're meant to to spend ourselves for things of purpose and meaning and your vocation as a priest to me is one of the most beautiful it is it's just it has the capacity for such impact and transformation in society. It's so exciting. And and it's going to take that level of, of commitment and work. You know, one of the things, Father Josh, that I find so fun about you, and uh, I felt this way the mornings that we sat there and talked, is your passion, is your conviction, is your joy. But I have to be honest. When I see that in young priests, I get so, it fills me with joy, but I've seen those same priests five or 10 years later that are spiritually lifeless. Uh, they're, they've been jaded, they've given up hope, they're broken and, and, and it kills me, it kills me because that joy that you have, that conviction you have, the belief you have, It needs to be stewarded and respected and cared for because it's so beautiful. I think, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. I think that the investing that you're doing in leadership and self-awareness, and I know you're being coached by Divine Innovation, is that right? Mm. I think all those things will fortify you for the hard knocks that we all go through when we're leading anything. Is that fair? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things I hear most, most commonly from the parishioners that I've got a, a privilege to lead is don't burn out. Don't burn out. And they probably see something in me that I don't see at the moment. You know, right. I'm, I'm 42 years, so I came to the priesthood mm -hmm. a little bit later than um, some of my contemporaries these days. And so there, there's a, um, I'm, I'm searching for the gift of wisdom of years, uh, but that's, that's an ongoing process. But uh, what, what, what also makes it sustainable is uh, having a really robust, non-negotiable prayer life and Amen. a good core team of parishioners around me mm. uh, with, with my senior leadership team. And these are people who I trust, uh, who I rely on, who I call my friends, I love them, and uh, who I fight with. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> they keep you real. They keep you grounded. They keep you accountable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I did an introduction to coaching course a couple of years ago when I was still an associate pastor. And, and from that, I uh, had an opportunity to gather my own leadership team around me as an associate. And it was, it was a wonderful experience to... Uh, have just people who would help me make decisions, you know, as, as, a, mm. as an assistant to the parish priest or the pastor. I still had 
definite responsibilities and um, areas where I could be influential in and mm. uh, gathering a team around me, even, even at that early stage, was such a humbling experience because it was only through that experience that I began to realize the other gifts that lay people bring to the table. I began to appreciate mm. that in a bit more and that awareness grew that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of beautiful taglines in this leadership space these days. And one of them is there's no such thing as a perfect leader, but there can be such thing as a perfectly formed team. Yes. And I've, I've got massive dominant strengths in um, influencing and executing, but I don't have relational strengths and I don't have strategic strengths. Right. And so how do you, how does that, how does that work out? And it's, by the way, really neat that you, I never would have thought in a million years to have a leadership team as an associate. That's a really neat concept. So what, so is that because of the course you took, even as an associate, they said, go get yourself a leadership team. Like, where did that come from? It's just such a neat idea. Yeah, it was the, the introduction to coaching course that I took and look, Ron, I'm really competitive. So when someone suggests you go and do something, I'm, I'm going to like, you know, it's almost like they're saying you won't do it. <laughs> and, and so uh, you know, we, go, yeah. Yeah. So we called it the, the strategy and leadership team, the salt scene. We had salt meetings and it was out of uh, Matthew chapter five. You're the salt of the earth. And uh, <laughs> Straight away, there was there was a, a given sense of sustainability that uh, even even with the responsibilities I had, that this was an opportunity to share those responsibilities, the, the burden of leadership, which was mm. as as an associate, as an assistant pastor in the parish, was, that burden was about that big, and you know what I'm experiencing now is something completely different, but. Even yeah. making that transition, it's, that's just been over a year ago, Ron, uh, from the associate to the leader of the parish. And the, the same parish. Yeah, in the same parish. Yeah. It's a massive grace yeah. to be able to stay on and start leading the parish. Mm. But yeah, I, I cannot um, uh, appreciate enough the power of having people to lead with. Mm. What are you learning about yourself? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead. Self-knowledge. We're on the same shit of music. Uh, To be able (laughs) to give over that power, uh, and it's not just the the, the influential power, but the positional power as well. Uh, You know, I know as well as the next person, maybe I shouldn't assume that, but, you know, positional power is the, the, the least effective form of power, but this influential power, the power that people give you, to give that over to others, and to mm. share that, ah, oh, that couldn't have happened without, the, you know, the cumulative effect of learning about myself, having a really good professional supervisor, having a, mm. having a terrific uh, spiritual director, and actually giving giving myself over into those those processes mm. has just been so life giving. Wow! It sounds like there's been a lot of intentionality in terms of your own efforts, the people that have been around you, the help that you've sought through coaching and courses. Like, man, that's cool. There's not a lot of people who have the gumption to invest in themselves like that. It's almost as if like a lot of people sometimes it's like, you know, the people have to do this or the people should do that. And so the issue is always them. 
it's not me. And what I'm hearing you say is, no, I need to fortify myself so I can love them and serve them in a way they deserve versus blaming them for what they do or don't do or the results that the church collectively gets or doesn't get. It sounds like you're taking responsibility for, you're taking responsibility for that. Ron, in the Clifton Strengths, responsibility is in my top five. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> what, what are your other five? What are your other oh, four, sorry? One, one to five, I've got competition, communication, achiever, focus, and responsibility. And so if, 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 oh. if the listeners, if you know that this, the, the, the system, it's all orange and um, purple strengths, it's influencing and executing. <laughs> That's fantastic. It really is. That is so cool. And so the neat thing about you is your competition and your achiever are going to probably fill you with a truckload of energy for executing, right? Like you're, you're going to be driven probably more than the average person in terms of capacity for work. And so for people that don't have achiever in their top and they're watching you probably joyfully do what you do they're thinking i wouldn't be able to do that and they're probably right but you know when you're functioning out of your strengths and you have a deep personal prayer life and the holy spirit is the wind in your sails you often don't burn out when you're when you're vocationally aligned with who you are and what god has called you to you often don't burn out it's when we're doing the things that we're not good at and we're not connected and we're not robust and we're not supported that's when you burn out that's that's when you dial it in that's when you have to do self-preservation and pull back and everything else but again i'm not so sure that the 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 learning you've done the way you've opened yourself up to receive and learn is not setting you up to be in that pocket of grace that that god has for you and wants for all of us doesn't he whether mm -hmm. it's in the church or in business you know, whether it's in your family or in other relationships, there's a beautiful pocket of, ho of Holy Communion. Uh, you know, when we it's live... It's a great honestly. analogy. Mm. A great analogy, pocket of Holy Communion. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Uh, mm. That Holy Communion for me exists within the context of um, other people that can support me and complement my gifts with their gifts. And that's, for me, that's become most most uh, noticeable in people on my team who have dominant relational strengths who can uh, go out and talk to people in ways which I don't have the capacity to. I'm not wired to uh, to really connect in with people. I don't find myself with strong pastoring gifts. Right. Uh, but I'm experiencing a massive challenge by the Holy Spirit to, to grow in that area through listening. Mm. Do you know what's amazing? Over the last five or six weeks, the amount of times through people that the Spirit has said, listen, listen. Hmm. And to not, not to show people that I love them by doing stuff, which I'm really good at, but yes. to show people <laughs> I love them by listening to them. Wow. Yeah, I heard I was at a conference in the U.S., Alpha Conference, and um, the speaker was quoting somebody else. I wish I could give him credit, but definitely wasn't me. He said, listening is so akin to loving that the average person can't tell the difference. Mm. It's like, whoa. Listening to someone is so akin to loving them that the average person can't tell the difference. And so that's... That, you know, and as a leader too, I, I, I always think that's probably one of the top skill sets 
Just listen. Well, can I tell you a story? About Please. That? <laughs> yeah. Last, last, last November, I was on my annual retreat and mm. um, I, was, I was in this beautiful retreat center in, in Brisbane. And the, the patron saint of this retreat center is um, the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. And there's this beautiful walk where she's got the, the walk describes the different um, you know, traits that she cultivated in her saintly life. And uh, on, at one of these stations, I was sitting down, I was praying, and I heard God say something to me. And you know, I've been blessed with so many different experiences of encounter, and usually it's a, the presence of God is given or it's a, a, it's a feeling that's been given. But perhaps yes. for the first time in my life, I heard God say something. And you know, it was Jesus, the Word, who said, "Love them like they've never been loved before." Holy dooly, love them like That's they've never beautiful. been loved before. And you know what my reaction was? <laughs> Doubt at my capacity, because God was just cutting like a double-edged sword right through the cartilage into that space in my heart that needed to be pierced, that, that yes. armor that needed to be pierced. And I right. expressed my doubt. About two hours later, there's a, there's a garden dedicated to the wedding feast at Cana mm -hmm. in this retreat center. I was sitting there in front of the statue of Mary, and I was praying about this doubt that I had in my capacity to love them mm -hmm. like they've never been loved before. And Mary said something to me. <laughs> she said, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> wow. And that was last November and ever since then, just in so many different ways that's been reinforced. Mm. And it's been reinforced through the consistent invitation to be in that space. It's not something that's been forced or imposed upon me. It's such mm. a gentle invitation. I think that's how God's, God invites us to respond through gentle invitation. And, mm. Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful because you, you said something earlier that, you know, my natural tendency in to show somebody I love them is to do something for them, but you're being challenged uh, in a different way through your prayer, through listening, through taking time to retreat to love a little differently not to say that you're not going to still do that but it's also this listening piece but isn't that the internal growth that god calls us on when we listen and we dare to listen and yeah. we do whatever he tells you to do that's just awesome oh she's awesome uh and so i really appreciate that because it's that kind of in tuneness and communion that allows us to continue to evolve as a leader to be the people that God needs us to be. You know, I work with you know Father James, and he too has competition as his number one strength theme. And, and uh, so you guys should compete at some things now. <laughs> Shouldn't be <laughs> running, you'd kill no, just Don't get me started. <laughs> and so, um, but he too, like like all of us, me too. Like there's just things I'm not good at, and what I what I enjoyed about the way he worked with me <clears throat> and others is that I saw how he loved, and he didn't love like some people felt they deserved to be loved or that they needed to be loved. 
And it's really interesting because we have to detach ourselves. And even sometimes with our parents or our siblings, you know, I feel like I need to, I should have a dad like this, or I should have a mom like this, or I should have a sister or a brother like this. And this is what I deserve. This is, it's like, well, okay, that's probably not going to be overly satisfying. But if we can begin to identify and see how that person loves and catch them loving in the ways that are natural for them, it's affirming for them. I can stop casting my needs, projecting my needs on them and maybe start accepting them for who they are. And, and then I can deal with that need I have maybe with God. And, and, and so what I would see in him, sometimes I'd have to speak with people who are frustrated. It's like, you know, he doesn't care. It's like, no, he couldn't, he absolutely cares. Here's how he's caring. Here's how he's loving, but you're what you're really saying is this is how you need to be cared for and loved, and he's not good at that. And so you to look to him to give you that is is going to be really frustrating for you and not fair to him. Mm. And so I think sometimes priests feel like they have to be all things to all people, and it's a that's a tall order. And it doesn't mean we're not called to spiritually grow from the inside out and be obedient to what God is calling us to do, just like you're witnessing and testifying to. And make sure that's being driven by your prayer life and the Holy Spirit and God, not by what other people telling you you should be or who you need to be for them, because that's the wrong voice. Um, you'll always disappoint the masses if that's who you're trying to please. You know, when I left home, I joined the army in New Zealand. I got a trade as a boilermaker. Now, boilermakers mm -hmm. don't make boilers. <laughs> <laughs> Boilermakers, welders, engineering. And, you know, I spent all this time getting training and getting my trade certificate. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until that I had my trade certificate that I realized that this is really just the start of the journey. The right. trade certificate gave me the qualification to practice my trade. And there was a whole new journey of learning in there. And I really experienced that uh, in the seminary. But through the seminary formation process, uh, it's a challenge because you get well-formed. Uh, well, that's what they tell you. <laughs> you get well-formed. You, well you do all this theology and philosophy and you, all of a sudden there's this huge ordination ceremony and you're the rock star for the day. And then you get sent to a parish for thinking you've got it all together. <laughs> and gee, that's a humbling experience to know that, hey, I'm only just beginning the, the, this, this next part of the journey. And being older, I found that even more difficult. Uh, being, you know, ordained at 38. And I've been a personal trainer also in a previous life, owning my own business in that sense. I trained recruits in the army, and I, I thought I had it all together. And so starting out in the parish, I've got all these ideas. And thank God they don't make you a parish priest straight away. <laughs> Havoc. But, uh, but this, there's a real, there was a real humbling time of knowing that, hey, you know, maybe I just need to concentrate on being in relationship with people rather than putting all mm. this theology into practice. Here's the truth, and I'm going to give it to you. Mm. And that's such a challenge even to this day today because um, you get a little bit of training in how to preach. But I, 
I wonder, I just want to be curious about this rather than stating something that I think sure. is definitive. I wonder if a lot of priests struggle with that notion of here's the truth and I'm going to give it to you. Mm. That, that model of, um, that model of truth. There's, there's some truth in that, but one of the things I love about preaching is the opportunity to um, have a con- be in a dialogue, have a conversation. Mm. And most of the time that's not a literal conversation, but I know demonstrating mean, yeah. to people that, hey, I understand where you're at. I understand where we've come from. Uh, mm. I wonder if this is where God is inviting us rather than mm. saying, this is what we're doing. You know this what I mean? is going to solve it. Yeah. yeah. I remember being trained in the pharmaceutical industry and boy, the stuff I had to learn to pass the exams that all pharmaceutical salesmen had to go through. I felt like I had a an MD when I was finished. Now, clearly I didn't. I'm not suggesting I did, but compared to how I tackled school before that, I certainly felt like I did because I had to learn a lot of things I didn't know. And boy, I'll tell you, I was loaded for bear when I started selling right after that. I couldn't wait to get into all these very complex chemical conversations with these family doctors. And and I remember, uh, you know, the first week of of taking that approach, it was very humbling because they could have cared less. It's like, dude, do you really think you're going to teach me anything? Like, uh, and now I'm dealing with doctors, of course, but the, the bottom line was they said to me very wisely, they helped form me, thankfully, but it's like that patients could care less. They can't breathe or they have a stuffed nose or they're dealing with hormone imbalances or they care about the symptoms they don't care about the chemistry and so don't talk to me about chemistry i need to know that you know what they're going through and then provide simple solutions to me they didn't care about all the technical jargon and those guys knew they've forgotten more than i would ever know but they were smart enough and wise enough to know it actually doesn't matter it's necessary for the formation but it's not as helpful in the in the in the in the interactions with the people who are suffering. And I think sometimes that's the same way with theology. It's like, what's the, what are the applied principles and how do we live it out in a way that we don't even have to talk about it? And that's not that we don't talk about it, but if we mm. talk about it without demonstrating, we're in big trouble. Lately, well, it's, it's for a few years now, I've been experiencing this beautiful gap between uh, you know, the preaching of theology versus, you know, where might God be inviting us to be and and seeking what I've been experiencing is seeking to fill that with a, with the vision of, you know, how do we put this stuff into where God is yes. inviting us to be? And I remember, I remember a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, someone asked me, uh, Josh, what's your vision for the parish? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I really struggled to articulate that, but it was something that mm. I've been living internally for quite a few years and without even realizing it, you know, what's that burning desire in, in me to, yeah. to share with people and to, and it's a desire which is formed out of prayer. And what I came across this amazing image and it, it's something that I discovered this, this image in, in, flipping the paradigm you know we live in we lived in this paradigm of you if you uh, behave in a certain way like coming to mass then you believe what the church teaches and then you'll feel like you belong and for me that that looks like an upside down funnel 
Mm. Where in order to be part of the body of like the, the 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 body of the church, the parish community, according to that model, and this model worked perfectly well in the twentieth century. Um, yeah. The way you, you belong to that is by celebrating the sacraments primarily and principally by coming to mass on Sundays. But the flipping the paradigm to if you uh, you'll feel like you belong first to promoting a sense of belonging, then people might feel like they believe what we teach, then they might behave in a certain way. It really opens up this this upside-down funnel model image to something that's consistent with what God says and Jesus says in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. You know, you're going out, you're, you're getting a big catch, and it's not up to us to <laughs> remove all the, 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 the stuff that's not, doesn't belong in there. That's God's job. <laughs> and I, I get real fired up talking about this because it's a real challenge to, you know, we're talking about the gap between, you know, our good theology, but how do we apply that in people's lives? And mm. to, to start talking like that, particularly when um, the majority of people, proactive practicing parishioners, grew up in a different context is a real challenge mm. because I don't want to devalue what they experience. There's grace and there's, there's absolute value in what they experience, but this world's gone through this massive change where mm. the model of doing church has changed without us knowing it, and we're, we're, we're playing catch-up. <laughs> and without our permission, <laughs> nobody yeah. asked us. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I remember sitting down with a parishioner. We we're talking about this because this, 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 I was preaching about this, you know, upside down funnel versus an open funnel. This was really striking a chord with people. They're like, wow, I didn't, never thought about it like that. And um, I remember sitting down with a parishioner. We had this whiteboard, this smaller one. We drew a funnel on. We drew all the different ways that people could be part of the parish sacramental program, funerals, weddings, baptisms, uh, you know, school families. Primary mission ground, school families. <laughs> How Catholic schools. Let me know if you get that one figured out. I have a lot of people that will buy that book. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even to, to respond to that, it, it, it's uh, are we going to put all our eggs in one, in one basket? And this is where I love the, you know, the, this, this conversation isn't about divine renovation, but coming from, from that, that, that seminal book, um, the three keys of the primacy of evangelization, mm. the best of leadership, and leaning into the Holy Spirit for everything. Mm. Uh, my coach actually, uh, about six months ago, he said, um, Josh, do you have an internal pressure? Do you experience an internal pressure for evangelization? And, and if you don't, how can you expect other people to, uh, to take responsibility for that? Wow. That's some convicting words, eh? Mm. But having the framework to be able to, what does that look like in practice with that, you know, open funnel, if you will, mm. having, having the, the frame, uh, another framework, Sherry Waddell's five thresholds of transformation, it's helped put, it helps put theology into practice. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that's why continuing to learn to your point of, you know, this is the start of something. This says you got your papers as a boilermaker. This was the start of the learning, you know, or, so, or the next phase of learning. And as a priest, that's the case too. It's so fun to, to talk with you at year four. 
two months, 25 minutes or <laughs> uh, into your vocation as a priest and to hear your joy and all the work and intentionality you put behind developing yourself as you continue to find ways to work with your parishioners. If there are people listening that are five years or under or maybe just approaching being ordained, um, what's your what's your hope for them? What's your What have you learned that you would share with them that might be helpful? And again, I know you're not coming across as an expert and that's not your intent, but, but just maybe just as from one brother to another, what would you say? Well, Ron, I remember in, in that seminary time, this consistent message to be a lifelong learner. And I had some contemporaries around me who were really finding life in you know, reading theology and, and just schooling up on that. And I didn't experience that myself. I, I, I didn't really enjoy my study. I, I, I mm-hmm. had a burning desire to get it done that was out of my competition. <laughs> but what I discovered was uh, a passion for development and leader leadership. Mm. And that would be my, my, my biggest uh, desire for others uh, that, that they would invest in, in leadership. Um, the mm. church isn't going to lead itself into the 21st century. The church isn't going to evangelize itself if it was going to do that it would have done it already amen and it's 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 leadership mm. it's those who with the capacity and they're not always just the ordained people those who have the capacity mm. to lead the gifts of leadership um the desire to lead even but even if the desire is not there to recognize that hey this is an important part of the vocation of a baptized person mm. to be a person of influence and to know that that's that's built upon the foundation of self-knowledge to know the skills the gifts the talents that god has given me specifically given me for the purpose of the mission of of, of following and making following jesus in order to make disciples amen amen well what a great place to end father josh thanks for for coming on the podcast thanks for checking in thanks for sharing some of your insights and your wisdom it's my heart for every clergy deacon associate pastor that they would encounter jesus on a regular basis the love of god that overwhelms that confirms that convicts that comes alongside of and and to want that for others it's just such a great message and to be able to lean into leadership because that's an important part of the evolution and development. And for all those young priests out there that have been ordained five years or less, I hope today has been a blessing to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But your priesthood, my message to you is your priesthood matters so much. Your evolution and development matters so much. And sometimes pain or bad experiences can stunt our ability to trust ourselves or trust others. And that can lead us down a path that that isn't very fruitful. And so if that's you and... Um, and you know you need to reboot, but you don't know how, give us a call. Like just reach out to huntleyleadership.com. Like we'll like we'll find renovation. <laughs> who, who you know, Patrick Lencioni, like reach out, get some support, get some help, because sometimes it might not always feel like it's in the group right around you. Um, but reach out and start reading some of these books that Father Josh was was recommending. And uh, you're worth it. Your vocation is worth it. You matter and we care about you. And so if that's you that's the message 
Father Josh, thanks for coming in today. I'm so grateful. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. So please uh, take the time to give a thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on, on one of your favorite podcasts, please rate the podcast. All those things matter, and we certainly appreciate it. And again, you can go to HuntleyLeadership.com, subscribe to our newsletter. However we can help you, we want to be a blessing because leading, whether it's your business or your parish well, matters. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.